Good evening and welcome to Adventures in DeFi Kingdoms. This is Raf streaming to you live high above the keep in the hot air balloon. Tonight, as always, I have Nindorf with me. Nindorf, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. And I also have Kells and Guy Kid here, our resident WoW experts, here to regale us with their their quests of of loot, gold, and glory out on the world of Warcraft. Um, and we're going to try to use this as a, a drawing parallels to what we then want to recklessly speculate out in, you know, the what we have for DeFi Kingdoms and, and hopefully start getting our, our minds wrapped around what's the next chapter. Um, so Kells, uh, you've been on briefly before, but why don't you give us a, a brief introduction to yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Um, I got into... Uh... Uh, DeFi Kingdoms a little after uh, it came out. I, at the beginning, I wasn't quite sure of it, and uh, I've, I started late last summer, and I've been just head over heels on it. Um, I've kind of grew up playing MMORPGs, started EverQuest way back in the late 90s. That turned into uh, World of Warcraft, and then uh, had a family after that, so that became <laughs> the focus. No more time for that, So, and that's <laughs> where I'm at now. I know the feeling. All right, guy kid. Uh, you are also a, a host of the Bogside Chats, Karen. We've had you on a few times. Um, give us your quick intro too, please. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, got into DFK around November timeframe, so pretty close to the top. Not quite at the top. There's a couple people that found higher price points than than I did, but um, due to that, I was definitely a smaller wallet player in the beginning, and during the the decrease in jewel value over the last couple of months. I've definitely increased my my stable of heroes, if you will. I'm now a, a Gen Zero holder. So dealing with those dynamics of the game's been been a lot of fun growing with the, the DFK ecosystem over the last couple of months. Full blown whale at this point in time. So uh how do you you guys have modified the intro to your podcast then, right? Right. We we no longer are a uh no Gen Zero, no stable of 100 heroes. I think brands <laughs> actually just crossed the 100 hero mark in wow. those too. That's great. So. That's great. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that intro. Nindorf, how about take us to question of the day? Sure. Um, you know, the the old jingle of, uh, of uh, what's in your wallet, I think is appropriate. I think my question today relates to some changes we've pushed out recently. And it's kind of like, what items are you guys hoarding right now? Where's, where's the, well, yeah, I, I guess that's it. What, what are you hoarding? I'll go first because it, it's not much. Um, I, the cat's out of the bag now. We we went in on some land um, earlier this weekend, and I kind of had to unload everything uh, for this. I, I'm hoping to try to sell one of my pure, uh, well, DR1 recessive, um, uh, dominant and recessive uh, equaling the same uh, warrior gen zeros so if anyone's out there this is my opportunity to shill that um, and so you know I'm a little light on both the gardens and I did win a raffle for eggs and so that's what I'm holding on to is a lot of yellow eggs right now nice okay how about you guy kid uh, for me I've actually been using the the item liquidity pools more um I've got about 200 Swift Thistle and a Crystal Swift Thistle pool. So that's been fun of just uh, not necessarily hoarding anything in particular, but 
all right, if I'm if I'm going to hold on to it, might as well make some type of passive income on it. And I think most of these things you don't have to worry about too much and permanent loss in the long run, but who knows? Mm -hmm. All right, Kills, how about you? I am going all in on eggs. I, I found myself short when the hatching first came out, and I only had a handful, and I kind of want to get to the point where I have uh, one pet per uh, character or wow. hero. Yes. And, um, and I got I got real lucky, too, in some of these... Uh, some of these uh, duels and getting the tickets and I ended up winning like 12 eggs so far. So nice. just been stacking nice. eggs. I think those are going to uh, pay out in the long run. All right. So tell us a little more than how many heroes do you have? And like, what's, what's that, uh, that number that you're, you're trying to target for number of pets then? Uh, I, I hover around like 40 to 50 heroes. Um, I'm trying to obviously get that many, many pets, but as far as I think with like active heroes, I'm probably going to try and keep it like, you know, 20 to 30 to really focus on those PVP type heroes and, and get the best pets that are going to uh, match with those. Nice. Nice. Well, Nindorf, how about you? Um, yeah, I, I think I'm basically hoarding everything, honestly, that I find at this point. I'm still not really selling a whole lot. And I find myself, I'm still using about three stand pots a day on the Dread Knight. I'm trying to limit it to three. I figure that's like double leveling, you know, double, you get three instead of, your six quests instead of three a day. Um, but like when I run out, I really find it hard to go to the Alchemist and make more. I'm like, I should just go buy three more instead of using yeah. my ingredients. So I guess, yeah, I'm having a hard time really selling any of my ingredients yet. And I think the reason is because, you know, that whole thing about pets and treats for pets. And I don't know. I, I feel like every item, and I've, you know, Frisky said this too, every item's going to have value. So I'm, I'm kind of hoarding everything, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I just found out that um, I saw a post today that the, the greater crystals, um, they're now in the LP pool um, in game. And so I don't have to. Uh, sneak those in through dfk earn i'm really excited about that um so i have a feeling that that's going to start to absorb some of my my spare jewel any that i have here in the uh the, the short period of time all right so uh let's go to the main event and you know i guess first why world of warcraft um you know Ninorf and i actually we've only had brief stents in world of warcraft you know when i tell someone like my wife that I've probably spent like 30 hours playing it. She's like, wow, that's that's a lot. Are you sure you in, invested <laughs> in the right place? Um, but, you know, actually, that's probably pretty small um, when it comes to like 30 hours, you know, when you compare to like what, you know, people who this was this was a part of their life. And I think, you know, the the reason why I bring it up is is not for my wife to shame you guys on <laughs> your experiences in World of Warcraft. It's more so to actually compliment you know, that that game was the number one game for many years. And, you know, they they found something that was, um, uh, you know, probably magical uh, for, for many folks out there. And I want us to figure out and try to draw from what are the things that really made that work and made that tick. You know, I, I think the, you know, something that's really positive about the DeFi Kingdoms team is they're always harping that this is about the community and this is about community feedback. And so what better way than having a podcast talking about what has worked best historically and then trying to promote and advocate for getting features like that to be in the game. Um, so let's start with, with Nindorf. Um, give us your, a, a very 
detailed list of your your short experiences in uh, in World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I remember, you know, this is reaching back a ways too. I feel like this is like sophomore year of college, and college right. was some time ago, double digit years. But uh, um, I remember it just kind of felt natural, I guess, and it was like, wow, this system works, and I can see. You, you kept wanting to get the next thing and like look around the corner to the next thing. And I was like, but there was no end to the next thing. And I was like, Oh no, what's happening. And it was, you know, I don't think we play, I don't think I played for more than my two week trial because I was like, uh Oh, this is going to go bad. Uh, and, and it was something, I, I don't know what it was. It, it was just like, if it was that, a, that addictive nature that for whatever reason I had to kind of stay away from, but yet, I could not avoid that addictive nature for things like, you know, uh, back then it would have probably been Oblivion, I suppose, or games like that. I, for whatever reason, I, I think for me it was just um, I stuck to the single-player RPG style way longer than I ever did for any of the multiplayer online. So and honestly, I think that's really what it did it for me is you know, if you're going to stick to the solo stuff, you can kind of do it at your leisure and play when you have time. And that's kind of what led me away. And I, I couldn't pull the trigger and keep playing, you know, and go real deep. All right. Well, um, Kells and Guy Kid, I think first I'll, I'll have you guys tell us, you know, what character uh, you played, what, uh, you know, what were your profession types? And, and then, uh, Give me an answer of how many boars did you kill in the forest? So, <laughs> guy kid, we'll start with you. Well, it's funny you made the comment about your wife because when I first started dating my wife, um, she knew that there was something going on on Wednesdays but didn't know exactly what. <laughs> uh, as the weeks turned into months of us dating together, uh, I eventually just had to tell her, like, I swear I'm not dating someone else. Wednesday night is raid night for WoW. And that's what I do every Wednesday from 8.30 to 11.30. So um, I think that really speaks to like what's just really pulls you into WoW is the community aspect of like you really feel like you're part of a team and you're part of a group as you progress through these raids and these missions and everything together. Um, as far as uh, like my heroes and classes, I started with a priest uh, my original priest was the unholy one that of course I was a healer as well. So that was fun. Um, but I was a disciplined priest. So it was really good spec from a PVP healing perspective. Cause you had a lot of dynamic heals that you could work with. Nice. Nice. All right. Kels, how about you? So the, the allure of world of Warcraft, I tell, you know, with every, with everything in crypto is about the metaverse the metaverse and this and that and world of warcraft was more of the metaverse than any project in in crypto right now i mean it was a a full-blown just ecosystem a world where you could just completely uh log into it every single day and just be completely entertained from the time you log in to the time you leave there's just you could have a schedule of things to do you could meet with people and talk to them you could you know do pvp you could do absolutely everything that you ever wanted to stay uh entertained and that's just what keep kept people coming back to it the competition you would always be you know pushing uh to, to have better gear than the next person or, or do more dps in a raid and it was just one of those things that just kept you always coming back for for more and that was um you know that's obviously what drew everyone to it uh, as far as what i did I, I started um late in classic so i i played a mage 
uh, for a while, and then I kind of, as the expansions came out, I'd like to try new characters, because it was a time that you could kind of reinvent yourself if you were bored of the of your old characters. So I think for uh, Burning Crusade, I went to a, a rogue, and then um, I stayed between, like, Mage Rogue and uh, uh, some Druid, you know, mixed in there. Everyone kind of had alts that you would that you would level up and so but mostly it was mage and, and rogue i'd like the uh the dps aspect of the game did either of you guys ever run multiple heroes at once i never did you had to have like special uh like programs to to yeah. do that like uh, but yeah i never did that and that yeah, was i didn't kind of either. frowned upon too wasn't it, it or very frowned upon oh, okay i i yeah. guess i yeah I, mean, I wasn't aware of just how taboo it was beyond uh, and Kels, keep me honest here too. From a licensing perspective, you would meet, need separate accounts to like bot yeah, together, would, right? Yeah, you would have to have like however many bots you wanted. You'd have to have that many accounts. Wow, and right. uh, yeah, so it would it cost a lot of money. And yeah, if you so got you'd caught, be paying a hundred dollars a month to run run four heroes or, or four four characters at the same time. And the people that were doing that mainly had probably a long term initiative of selling those heroes you know, once they're max leveled or something along that nature. And that's, I think that's part of the reason why I was frowned upon too. Yeah. Yeah. Just in, out of perspective, what did those sorts of heroes sell for? I'm, I'm just sort of curious now, personally. I never got into, it was this whole black market of like, cause there was the black market of gold because gold was the in-game currency and you would have the botters that would just farm gold all day and sell it. And uh, that was the majority of selling but you could sell accounts but there was it was kind of this gray area because you could always get your account back if you provided the right documentation so it didn't happen as as you know a lot that i knew of but i, I don't i don't i can't give you an exact price because it was very black market type stuff gotcha. to the point where they just blizzard frowned upon it so much that eventually you could just end up buying a max level character at the end of the day so they just ended up just bringing those things in house because there was a demand for it hmm Sure, sure. Listen to the markets, I suppose. No kidding. All right, so now that we kind of understand a little more about your characters and uh, your guys' experiences, you know, like maybe pick out, you know, your one or two Cloud Nine moments in a guild where you're like, this was so much fun. Um, and I'll I'll have you go first, Guy Kid, then Kills, um, then Nindorf. I'll probably have you pick something that might be outside of WoW if you have any, like, guild moments where you're like this was so much fun um yep. and then i got a really Absolutely. fun one from clash of clans that that i want to talk about as well so uh yes. yeah guy kid you go first um my first one's actually a world pvp one kels i'm curious if you've ever done this too of there's a special mount you can only get by killing the five leaders of the opposing faction you would literally have to get like 75 to 100 people together to go raid the main cities because if you think of the main cities, like everyone's hanging out in there and then you've got all the NPC characters as well. So we coordinated like a hundred people together to go do the, for the horde uh, achievement that I got this sweet Epic bear mount from it. But uh, it was a lot of fun and just a lot of chaos of having at that time in the game too, of like, you couldn't have a hundred people in the same group together. So you literally had to have like separate raid groups that then could be coordinated in a voice chat or something beyond the game as well so that you could all like and just travel to the same spot together so the for for the horde achievement was a lot of fun uh one of my favorite raid moments was there's a 
there's a boss in one of the uh i think it was the lich king raids called um he was the dance boss i think it was like hagen the unclean or something like that but a lot of the uh a lot of the raids they had berserk timers so like if you didn't kill the boss within five minutes his damage like increases by 300 percent or something like that but with hagen uh he was called the dance boss in the sense of every say three seconds or five seconds three quarters of the map gets covered in lava and you need to move to that one quarter of the map that's that's untouched but the trade-off of that is there was no berserk timer Hmm. so if you had the dance down the, the dance could literally go on for half an hour and as long as you have a tank alive, a healer alive, and a DPS alive, the, the dance goes on. So I actually got to the point where I was the last healer alive, and we, it ended up taking us like 15 or 20 minutes to down him, but we eventually did it. Wow. No kidding. That's crazy. Pretty stressful, too, I imagine. Oh, exactly. Especially when you're the last one left. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can echo a lot of that. Um, that world PvP was was something else. You would just be in your like home city, and uh, doing your you know, turning quests or whatever. And all of a sudden, you'd get these notifications: cities under attack, cities under attack, whatever. And and you just would just see like a mass of people just coming in. The guards are rushing from all over. It was, it was just surreal to see some of this stuff, this world PvP like in action. But I was mostly on the PVE side of things. I focused on just very heavy with the raids. So probably the the, the best moment for me was um, I was one of the, I was one of the raid leaders for uh, one of the guilds that I was in, and just organizing a raid with everybody and trying to coordinate and and look at all the the data that comes from that. Um, so sometimes you just you can't actually do a, a boss fight. You just don't have enough damage or, or whatever it is, and to Get to some of these bosses where you just spend literally weeks fighting these bosses and just getting a little more progression on on them, a little more progression on them every time, and then to actually get the boss down is it's like it's surreal just to see that that all come like it's a symphony of everyone, 25 people, all up like in their A game and making it happen. Yeah, that's that's got to be impressive. What are like so? What are like the uh, the job requirements of raid coordinator? Um, like, what's your checklist of of what you're trying to make sure that everyone's doing appropriately? Well, it's it's hurting cats, is what it is. But so uh, every <laughs> every yeah, yeah every raid um, would require a different you know optimal uh, classes. Like you'd have to have you know you have to have a certain amount of tanks, you have to have a certain amount of healer, a certain amount of DPS. But then depending on each boss fight, sometimes you would need more uh, range DPS or you need more melee DPS. So being a raid leader, I had to coordinate, make sure I had the right people in for the right the right boss fights. Um, and then, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, the boss fights, we, we would have these damage meters going, healing meters going, and you would see just who, like, hey, you're, you know, you, you need to pick it up with the DPS where we literally can't beat this boss unless your DPS is at a certain threshold. So I'd have to, like, get with people and say hey what's going on are we is this a gear thing is it it was like bringing someone to the office and say like your, your work performance needs to go up it was it was it felt like a job sometimes but then and then also the the loot i mean everyone does these these raids to get the loot so you'd have to have a, a system like you can't just you know everyone wants the loot so we would have like this is back in the day we would have these if uh, they'd be called dragon kill points so basically you every time you would show up to a raid and you you would fight a boss you'd get a certain amount of points and then they would go into like a, an account and uh, we had a whole separate website for this that tracked everyone's uh 
DKP is what they called it for short, and basically when, when loot would come out, there would only be a couple of pieces of loot, and then you could bid your DKP that you had if you wanted the loot. So it was it, it, it made sure that the people that were there for all the fights and all the all the raids every week you know, we're able to get the gear if they if they showed up enough and they had enough points. So, being the raid leader was just kind of coordinating all that, make sure it all all worked out, and you know, hopefully you can clear the the whole the whole raid. But it sounded like that kind of balancing mechanism had to be done kind of outside the game. The at least for the uh, for the loot aspect of it, sure. yeah, we had a we had to keep a we had a website. We had a guy that was part of the guild that just that built the website, and he kept track of all the the uh hmm. balances that everyone had so that was yeah that was completely separate from the game and it it's interesting seeing the progression of the game over time because that system turned into add-ons that could be built into the game and then like uh you could say like watered down future wow turned into all right well everyone wins everyone gets a prize there's more loot for everyone to go around <laughs> um but like that middle tier, the add-on piece was really interesting where it would come up with uh, basically everyone in your guild would have like a raid score um, based on how, how much they participated and things of that nature. So a lot of things that had to be kind of pen and paper on the original started getting slowly built into the game. Nice, nice. All right, Nidorf, uh, what's your, what's your, you know, go-to guild moment? Well, since you mentioned... Clash of Clans. I was headed there too, so maybe I'll I'll just I'll switch gears a little bit and not necessarily guild, but I think we uh, another game that we played a lot of uh, in college was uh, Halo Two, and right. um, yeah, we had some pretty solid players in our crew, and I still can remember one battle. I don't know if it was like one of those sixteen v sixteens or whatever. It was a huge battle. I don't know. If Maybe it was 8v8, whatever. Um, and I'm pretty sure we unlocked the uh, perfection uh, <laughs> accomplishment. I, yeah, I remember that one. That was... And it was like, that was one of the all-time moments where I think someone was driving the Warthog and someone was gunning and like we were just mowing people over left and right. And yeah. I don't that, I, that I love driving my... the Warthog. That was my... And yes, so we had you were a great driver. Too. Yeah, that was one of my all-time favorite Halo Two moments. Is that one, that one epic, sixteen v sixteen battle, yeah. and it was like perfection. Like we just rolled them. Nice, nice. Yeah, those. I mean, these things are like they kind of can become core memories almost. So mm. mine is I'll go to Clash of Clans. Mm. Um, that that one consumed a lot of my life. That gosh, that was probably about eight years ago now. Um, yeah, I remember because my my wife was pregnant with my oldest, and uh, she'd go to bed early, and so I would play lots of Clash of Clans <laughs> at night. And I remember the, you know, it's a mobile game, and uh, the amount of coordination that would go into clan battles was was actually so. I joined a a hardcore clan, and people would actually draw out. They would you know take screenshots of the different maps and the bases, and people would draw out their battle plans of of what they were planning on using to attack a certain base. And um, you actually, I was actually a part of a clan where it was so hardcore that, um, you know, if, if you weren't verified or if you weren't one of the, the top guys, you actually had to get your, your uh, drawing, uh, your approval or your battle plan approved by someone higher up to actually make sure that you, you know, had a legitimate strategy and you had a chance of winning. Um, 
And I remember the the exact moment um, I I planned out a, a I think they were the uh, warthogs or the hogs. Um, I planned out a hogs attack, and at that point in time, we were also every time that someone would do a battle, we were all on Discord. Um, they got to pick what their their fight song was, and so someone would play music and just whatever it was this night i played uh for my battle it was uh going the distance by cake and <laughs> i absolutely crushed someone um and that that's uh that's one of those things that just sticks with me so he's um, going for speed <laughs> yeah right uh, he's all alone they hop over all the walls i remember those things and play yeah. that in the background that was oh cool. yeah that's awesome right so okay um that's yeah. This is is pretty interesting, and so it's like, how can we, how can we get you know, um, or you know, like what are the elements here that we can tap into? How can we draw parallels? I think we're starting to see a lot of um, the camarader, camaraderie in community. Um, you know, like Summons Night has been a lot of fun for me. If you guys are are fans of uh, our YouTube channel and our Discord channel, and so if uh, you haven't checked out Summons Night before, please do that. We usually do that on, on Wednesday or Thursday nights. And, you know, it feels like we're starting to gain some momentum when it comes to just kind of rooting for each other and our our interests are, are somewhat aligned, but that's not really attached to a guild yet. Um, and so, you know, some of the best ways to attach interest into a guild would be through economics and there being incentives. Um, so I'd like to... You know, I have some ideas we'll talk about, you know, at the very end of the podcast of, of how we could potentially influence the economics of the game or, you know, a certain proposal that I'd like to lay out. But tell me a little bit, you know, uh, Kels, let's start with you. Let's talk about the economics of World of Warcraft. And you, you started into this a little bit with the loot distribution. Um, but, you know, how do guilds impact the economics of the game? Sure, absolutely, and I already can see um, some of the the framework being built in DFK that that mirrors a lot of um, what World of Warcraft did with the economy, and um, you know the the guilds, the, the the high level guilds, the competitive guilds, they they basically um, they consumed a lot of materials. Whether uh, at least back in the old days of raiding, you used to have to show up with uh, mana potions. Potions were consumables were an absolute you know must to to do these these fights like you had to just show up with like stacks of them and you know you could either get those by going out and gathering the materials kind of like you do in the in, D, in dfk with origin and whatnot or you could just buy them which most people did because we'd be raiding three four nights a week and you didn't have time to do any of that so you would just go out and buy your stack of, of mana pots and show up to the raid but you know for that to happen you know, people had to be making those. So the economies were just, if you had a, a, a server that had like really competitive and high-end PvP, PvE guilds, um, there'd be a whole uh, need for, for these materials. And, and so there'd be people out there just farming, like kind of like the whole thing of you're providing the shovels. So yeah. you can do that now in, in DFK with, with like the stamp pots. Same thing. You can just go out there and build stamp pots and sell them all day long and, and make plenty of uh, jewel doing that. And the same thing with... Uh, uh, with World of Warcraft with the guilds, so I I see a lot of parallel lines being drawn with that. Interesting, guy kid. What are your your thoughts or experiences from from WoW as well? I think one of the interesting things that could ta- tag over is, and we've talked about it a little bit, is the level gates when it comes to land. 
of I don't know if it'll directly tie into guilds, but like having these higher level areas that you'll need to go to. Um, maybe that's that's an area that's controlled by a guild, or there's some kind of overarching of like this area is safe to you if you're part of this guild. I could I could see a dynamic like that being built out, uh, which would be really interesting, tying in land and guilds together. Yeah, I I really ho- hope that's the case. It feels like the the natural connection point. Um, and honestly, I you know I, I tra- probably draw for some of my Clash of Clans experiences is that. I feel like lands are going to offer the opportunity to build, you know, some kind of in-game structure that allows you to, you know, offer up, you know, incentives of use to whoever's in the guild. Um, And then hopefully there's some kind of, you know, guild fighting functions in the future. Um, I don't quite know how that would play out yet on a blockchain game, but um, I I guess I'll have some ideas that I'll I'll throw you guys this way a little later. So, um let's you know segue to maybe some more of the the negative is that you know guilds can also draw the uh the ire of the public eye in that you know they can have some negative consequences on the game uh they may you know isolate or you know uh, alienate certain new players uh, who don't understand the inner workings of that you know i definitely saw that in my clash of clans days um maybe nindorf you know, being on kind of the outside looking in, anything that worries you about guild formation that you think we need to be mindful of? I think it, it's kind of, it almost, you know, there's like the Wales game, right? Where if people can come with money, they can come hard. I think guilds almost magnifies that problem because what if you get a guild of whales, right? So there's, I think that's one thing that I'm a little interested to see how you could, not necessarily prevent them from running the game because I mean, at the end of the day, if it's a play to earn I mean, and you have the money, you're going to win, right? That's kind of some sense of how it works. But I, I think how they manage that and how they, like, I think your point about how does a new player find value for their money and fit into this system? I think that is going to be absolutely huge. And if we can figure out a way to get, you know, new people feel like, hey, they're welcome and they're they're safe and they have like this unique little corner that they can carve out somehow. I think that's going to be the tricky part, though. Uh, if you can get to that state, I think it's going to be a little easier to keep new players. And, you know, because then you're going to get this new echelon of people that want to form their own guild. But you also got these other guilds that are like all level 20 plus, you know, and you, you kind of have to make sure that everyone can play nicely in the same universe. And, and that's, I think that's where I've not really seen a game, you know, I've not been a part of a game that did that to that extent well. And so, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's something that WoW had done where you had, you know, beginners and, uh, you know, the the veterans alike, but I, I'm not sure, I guess. Well, Guy Kid, let's go to you next. Um, I know you would, I think it was you mentioned in our chat, um, you know, you're, you're getting kind of spammed with, uh, you know, every time that, you know, you created an alt or, you know, you were thinking, you know, you got spammed with guild, uh, invites, so to speak. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So guild invites in the sense of DFK or for what? Um, on wow. On your world. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you jump into the uh, new player zones in WoW, and pretty much instantly, it's you're you're getting invited by a bunch of different guilds. And one of the big problems is like, kind of what Nindorf's saying too, of like, you're a small fish in a very very large pond. And I think it's going to be important if we have guilds or we have groups that are focused on helping players understand and learn the game. And I think that's going to be completely different than the like top tier progressive, hey, I'm going to win the entire game guilds. So I think we'll see a subset of guilds that have different focuses. And maybe we, we even have guilds that are focused on creating that economy and creating that supply, like Kells was saying, of uh, having perks that are associated around like optimizing your production of your items and things like that. And then others that are optimized on on combat and you know growing into these these higher tier areas. All right, Kels, what are your thoughts? And you know, anything that you want to caution? Kind of, if you were talking to to Frisky Fox right now, you know, what would you say? Watch out for this um, when you're influencing the the development teams. Um, you know, direction of, of guild formation in the game. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with it being, it, it could turn into a whales game really quick. Um, I think the beauty of World of Warcraft was that it wasn't a, a pay-to-win game. So, I mean, you could buy gold, but it you still had to put the work in. There was no pay-to-win. Whereas DFK right now, if you, you know, you dump a ton of money in it, you're going to have the best heroes, you're going to have all the stuff, you're going to have everything you want. So that can get kind of out of control if you get a guild that's just full of people like that. And if there's any kind of content or, you know, they, especially PvP, PvE. Um, I mean, these, these guys have done a really good job of just kind of trying to keep things balanced between whales and new players alike. But as far as guilds go, I think it's absolutely like a... a net positive for everybody whether you're new because like i like um guy was saying there was guilds all over the place that that were advertised you know for new players for for casual players for hardcore players and it was just a fantastic resource to, of, to hey you know what do i do with this i have no clue what i'm doing and there's plenty of people in your guild most of the time um there to help you out so i i, I think it's, it's definitely a net positive uh we'll just have to see how that translates to a uh like a crypto game sure Sure. Well, you know, I guess maybe this is the um, let's maybe take a a quick pause from our scheduled programming and look at YouTube and maybe some questions there. So um, YouTube listeners out there, maybe quickly throw out any uh, stay away from X, Y or Z that you've seen um, in guilds in the past that have been kind of those those thorns in your side that you'd like us to talk about. Um and I'll I'll go over one of my ideas to try to you know make a softer landing for for new new players as as we're kind of diving into this conversation a little more. So something that um, I was talking to actually Nindorf and I uh, we had the Gen ones out at a playground this morning, and I was talking about the idea of you know if if the game does start to go the direction of guild formation, I am worried about it alienating or you know increasing the separation between whales and and new players and i think that's something that we absolutely have to keep top of mind um one of the things that i was wondering is you know what if all players had access to join um the imperial guild which would essentially be like the um it'd be run by 
I, I don't know if you want to call it uh, Kingdom Studios or maybe it's run by AI, but it is the Castle Keep at the center of the map. And so all quests that, you know, guilds can unlock or earn for the PvP or excuse me, for PvE interest would be available there to new players and so effectively it would you know give the ability for for new players to access you know certain questing opportunities um at a a, a low risk entry almost a probably a no risk entry um if it comes to it and so you're kind of working for you're working for the game itself um and you're working inside the keep and that's where you get your missions from um i think there could be a way that you know they they tap into that in the game that you know and you might have a mass of players or enough new players there um that it also helps you with some of your your balance um you know and i i think if that doesn't quite help you with your balance um you know and trying to tip the scales to being you know whales you know, making sure they're not wrecking everything is, you know, developing some kind of, Nindorf, you talked about this this morning, developing some kind of, you know, like level system, ELO rank system or tier system where, you know, if, if that guild with all the whales, okay, they're level 10, if they raid a level one guild, they get penalized in terms of the amount of actual bounty that they get from that raid or whatnot. Um, and, you know, uh, conversely, you know, if you have a level three guild and you're going up against a level six guild, um, if you successfully manage to to land a raid, I mean, boy, your your payout's pretty strong. So, Nindorf, do you want to go through that idea that you had of kind of stealing it a little bit here? Um, go through that idea a little more. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I think there's a couple things I, I want to maybe discuss, too. And I think another one that we mentioned as we were chatting was the the concept of almost slowing it down too right so like we've got some heroes out there that are already what level 20 they're a fifth of the way through the level progression and we don't even really have a game yet mm-hmm. and so we don't even know what the skill trees look at look like yet so I, I feel like you need to once there is utility for land and we can start to build it out i think it needs to be very slow and methodical like it might you know we've we've we're throwing around this idea where you have to like almost quote unquote stake heroes into the land to this is again kind of similar to uh some other games where you, you've got to kind of clear the land first right and maybe it takes i don't know thousands of hero hours to clear the land before you can even consider building a building you know some things like that to slow the pace of this down and make it so that a you don't get this huge spread right off the bat mm-hmm. um but then B is as there's only so many plots of land, right? And you know, eventually the close ones will get built out. So you, you'll get kind of this metropolis in the middle, and it'll kind of you know taper off as you, the further out you get. And I think that opens up you know lots of doors for lore and new players and where they people fit in. I'm sure I'm not answering your question, but this is just kind of where my mind was wandering. Sorry, that's uh, all right. Now, yeah, I, I don't know. I just. There's so many potentials here. I think we just need to kind of keep the ideas rolling. And I think the rapid R uh, forms that the team, the DFK team has put out, I think all of us need to go there and just post as much information as we can think of. And, you know, just hope that uh, the DFK team proper, you know, picks up and uh, takes the best of it and moves them forward. Because there's definitely going to need to be like a sequence of events of like other things need to happen before guild formation can be a thing because otherwise what's the point of a guild 
and Rath, I really like your idea of like a Kingdom Legion guild or whatever. And I think that could be the tutorial of the game too. Of like, oh, there you go. You yeah. can build the tutorial right into the like the house guild or whatever, if you will, mm-hmm. um, of having like certain things kind of triggered along the way as you're learning new aspects of the game. Could there be a like built-in nemesis uh, guild that you're fighting if you're in that generic one too, right? You know, like I go back to like, wasn't it which of the Elder Scrolls games was you had to kind of pick a side? Was that Skyrim? Yeah, I think it was Skyrim. Yeah, and like you, you kind of had to pick a side, and you were just fighting against the other one. And I feel like yeah. you could totally do the same thing here. Yeah, almost like emulate PvP before it's really a thing. Interesting. Yep, yeah, exactly. All right, so some of the questions uh, trickling in here. Sergeant uh, Filthy McNasty, how you doing tonight, asks, uh, any idea on how guilds uh, will come to play in a 24-hour cycle? Right now, DFK leans towards North America. Heavy, but I suspect that will change with Caitlyn. Um, I think that's something that actually being on the blockchain is is fairly conducive towards you know being a a more global environment you know actually being on the blockchain is it's really hard to handle what i would expect to be heavy um time-based pvp combat in the future but i think with guilds or at least i hope with guilds and i'll present something here a little later um that they could be more like pve or long-term uh pvp and that you know, you can make your decisions and uh, the opposing opponent, if there is an opponent, has a, a time frame uh, to, to react. You know, whether that's, uh, you know, multiple hours, like 12 hours or a full day. Uh, but I, I think you're, you're really on to something here, though, is that this game is going to continue to trend uh, to be, you know, transaction heavy throughout the entire day, not just during the North American hours, which it, it probably is right now. Yeah, I have a good uh, story with that yeah. uh, twenty-four hour cycle thing. I um, when uh, you know most like most guilds, you, you try and find in your time zone, you know that you that you want to raid at. So like when you would join a server, that server had forums, and then you could go on there and see all the different guilds and say, hey, we raid you know Eastern Standard Time or whatever. But I I had to uh, switch shifts to nights one time, and so I was getting off work at seven in the morning, so I couldn't raid with ever with everyone. So I found a uh, a guild that was based out of India and I just and I they said they were looking for people they raided at eight in the morning my time which was, which was night for them <laughs> and uh, I joined I joined this Indian guild and it was fantastic because when you get that level of adoption that World of Warcraft have you're gonna you're gonna have people from just all over the world so that's no awesome. matter what time zone you're in whatever you know so I, I just raided with these Indian guys for for months and it was I learned so much about the culture and it was one of those things it's like it's a game but like I, I learned so much about life from some something like that and that's why I think guilds have such a a huge place in in a in a community like this because you you wouldn't get that anywhere else right and that i mean that's a testament to obviously the positives of a guild you know having the opportunity to you know meet new people and uh you know potentially learn about new cultures and you know i i'm really excited about the the clayton expansion it you know wasn't anyone's first guess (laughs) second guess third guess i don't know maybe not even top 10 um but as i've sat back and really thought about this i'm like wow i think this could be really neat um so i I think that opportunity is going to be there um all right so so next we have uh maddie asking um did guilds and wow have payment or other membership requirements 
And I see that, you know, that's that's kind of being answered by the chat here that it wasn't um, – that I don't believe you had to pay for that. But give us maybe uh, some examples of, like, I'm sure there was at least soft membership requirements um, or at least implied requirements. What do you guys think? Maybe um, you go first, Guy Kid. Well, so one of the big things, if you wanted to be, like, a progression raid group, it's kind of two tiers of it, of, like Kells was just saying, of – you needed time availability of like being able to raid certain times of the week, as well as if you were top tier, there's like item level restrictions and things like that of you, you're literally not going to be able to contribute to the fights if you can't do a certain amount of damage and how you measure that is based on the score of your armor and the items that you have. So there's definitely like gates as to like getting into uh, a guild and being able to qualify for one. I'm curious if there's any other thoughts there. Yeah, we um so from my aspect as a as a raid leader, we would have um no payment or whatever, but although we, there was a guild bank and I was telling you guys earlier like I can do a, we could do a whole podcast just on guild banks and I don't know how they're going to handle that on a blockchain is it going to be like a multi-sig or, or or what, but it's it's definitely it was a good resource to have because uh your guild bank held the different materials. If you needed this, if you needed that, it was all in the guild bank. Um, but as far as membership requirements go, we we had like this whole drawn out process where we'd have people apply on our on the website. Uh, it was like a, applying for a job. You know, you'd ask about who they were, what they their their PC specs, all this stuff, and then you, you, we would comb through that, and then we would actually then say, okay, you can come on a couple of raids with us, and we'll see how you perform under under pressure, and and we would you know grade them on that, and then we'd have an interview with the officer board, and it it was like trying to get a job, for, but it, but you kind of had to do that because you needed people that that were going to perform at their absolute best for some of these, you know, if you're and if it's progression. yeah, if it's two to three days a week, like you obviously want to gel with that person from like. Uh, a culture and dynamics perspective too because you're you're probably spending 15 20 hours a week with this person yeah absolutely and it's not it's sometimes it's like when you when you're going to a raid and you just keep wiping on the same boss over and over and over and that that's part of it that's part of progression yeah uh, you know tempers can get you know like you start blaming people well you're not doing your job you're not doing your job and it, it can get it can get pretty tense so you definitely have to have people that that can just you know get through the tough times together as well as the good times yeah, and the people that'll take that accountability of like I screwed up. I just remember like you talk about like low low places in a guild of like we spent probably like three hours on one boss and it was like every single time that we wiped there was like something that went wrong and like this poor guy, like he meant well, but like he was just having a shitty internet day. And his internet went down like six times in a row at the worst time in the raid boss. And it's just like stuff like that can be really frustrating. Yeah. I'm sure you guys would have kicked me out with my gateway computer with Windows 98. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, but, you know, joking aside, I I think that's, I mean, you're hitting on something there that, I mean, there could be things that are kind of outside of people's control, but also almost considered to be a job requirement, too. Um, you know, so I, I think it will be interesting to see how they handle that. I, I think there's absolutely, you know, I, I could see there also being like, um, guild banks where it's, it's not like where you're storing money that 
could be used by other people per se, but it's almost like the jeweler where you're staking X jewel. You know, with the the hints that the team was dropping that like eventually, you know, like, there would be incentives like league passes where you pay you like stake so much X jewel for the month and you have access to a league pass where your your benefits for questing are increased. Um, no, they didn't come out and say that, but they you know they they mentioned that there could be a league pass esque uh, kind of feature. I could see that being incorporated with guilds um, and, you know, you needing to hit like a, a 5,000 extrual or 10,000 extrual threshold where, you know, if that guild stakes 10,000 extrual between all of its players and everyone, you know, still is in complete and total control of their own money. Um, but as long as that guild stays above that threshold, that like they have access to a certain kind of, of quest rewards. I could see that being a real creative way to, uh, you know, kind of pool funds and also create some market stabilization, um, which I think would be a really good thing in the future. I would love to see guild formation almost be like the formation of a company too. Like that could be really interesting of like, have a really big number to be able to create a guild, call it like 10,000 jewel or something like that. And you have people stake different amounts to hmm. create this guild. So you get different and voting then, powers then. Yeah, and then you have different voting powers, and then you also have your distribution from a reward system perspective as well. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, so um, I want to talk about one of the kind of the uh, – Nynorf was hinting at this, but something, you know – uh, we were talking about a little bit in channel, um, and then I, I kind of ran with it a little bit last night and wanted to to throw these ideas out there on kind of what I'm thinking about for um, how land and guilds can work together. And then I have a, a bit of a like a, a guild battle proposal I'd like to throw at you guys too. So um, like Nindorf was saying, you know, I think as you're starting to develop land, I think land is going to have to be a key component to to guilds. And so let's just say, for instance, that they are tied one to one or at least one to many and that in order to have a guild, you have to have at least one parcel of land. But potentially a guild could manage multiple parcels of land. So uh, I see the the first quest being clearing the keep if you you know, zoom in on any of the land out there. Nindorf pointed this out. There's a lot of rubble there that it looks like in the land. And I think this fits uh, well thematically with the game right now that, you know, people are starting to, heroes are returning uh, to, to Serendale. They're, they're being summoned into existence or their existence is being brought forth, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, the, the land around these fiefdoms is unkept and not ready for construction or, you know, buildings that eventually you'd like to put on the land. So you must clear the land before future building construction can begin. To clear the land, you must put your heroes and the heroes of your guild to work. So who can participate? My thought is landowners can keep a quest private if they're not a part of a guild and they can just do it themselves. Or... They can make this entire quest available to their guild, or they could make it fully available to the public if they'd like. And so here's how it works. And some of these numbers I'm just throwing out there as, you know, uh, you know, take it for what it's worth, uh, just a suggestion or an idea. But I think this is something we could dial in. So heroes are assigned to week-long quests. Each land needs 1,000 unique quests completed to finish. And this could be accomplished by up to... 
you know, you can have 250 heroes questing at one time. So the fastest that you could, you know, clear the land and completely finish this quest for a guild would be one month time. Um, The rewards, it would be equivalent to gold rewards of the level 10 gold mining quest because you are clearing the land you're you're you know clearing all these stones that are they're on this land and so the idea is that you know anyone who has their hero go out on this week-long quest when they come back they get the mathematical equivalent of if i sent my hero out for gold mining at profession level 10 quest when that comes out i get that much gold in return minus what the landowner rake is and the kind of my thought here is also landowners would have some autonomy in figuring out okay do i want to take a one percent cut on fees do i want to take a five percent cut on fees or ten percent and this would kind of be uh essentially lining potentially the coffers of the guild bank itself and so i'm kind of using landowners and, and guild operators as you know one and the same uh so then another idea would be uh, you know, it still maybe favors a little bit the the side of uh, the, the the landowner or the guild owner, and so also then heroes that go on this week long quest. What do they gain? They also gain experience, double experience for the uh, the mining profession quest, and the egg drop rate is uh, doubled from what it is right now. And so. Um, you know, the, and the questers would receive all of those egg rewards, even though the, the landowners are taking a percent cut out of the gold that's being received, uh, the, the egg owners or the, the actual, uh, wallets for, for questing these heroes would receive the eggs themselves. So, um, kind of an idea around a community gathering together for a purpose, for a greater purpose. Uh, I want there to be incentives for the landowners and the guild organizers. I want there to be incentives for the guild members themselves as well. So what do you guys think about this? Uh, Poke holes in this, blow this up, totally stupid idea, good idea. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think you, I think you've, fantastic when you look at these the map and you look at all the different spots you can see it's just laid out perfectly like you know we're going to have to clear the land and then once we clear the land that we're going to have to like build a foundation and we're going to eventually build a guild hall and it's going to be like a wood guild hall and then we're going to upgrade it to a stone one you right, know, i can definitely right. be like like and then like you look on the map you're like oh there's a dfk guild they've got a you know a stone castle like look at them like they're you know and with that becomes like um again running parallels to world of warcraft there was guild perks so uh you know the the better your guild hall is the you know maybe you recover stamina faster or something like that but i think you you, you gotta you know your your reckless speculation sounds pretty good with the with these uh these plots so tony travels on on youtube here um he fell out of his chair when i said one month um he said i need to r as a landowner i need to roi faster than that um guy kid what are your thoughts and and maybe can you uh you know maybe uh join tony's side and, and convince me that maybe one month is too long <laughs> well i like tony's idea of everyone's got a big stack of jewel they need the mine to get out of the way sign everyone up for that <laughs> yeah um i think the idea makes a lot of sense and there's there's a lot of interesting dynamics kind of at play here of like first is like doing quests with other people of yeah kind of like perilous journey didn't quite do that but it kind of had that end result of like 
I like your idea of everyone queuing up towards some common goal that they're trying to accomplish together. I think there's a lot of dynamics that can be built around that in the game ecosystem long-term, whether that's like PVE or world events or something like that. I think there could be a lot of interesting things there. I think the one thing that like the TFK team would come back to is what does this do to the overall quest fund wallet and how does it help kind of the long-term dfk ecosystem too of Mm -hmm. kind of like what goes back to the well if you will and in a quest uh format like this so it's funny you mentioned that because i was posting and also in the chat i was like what if uh, landowners have to pay taxes to the king if you will right i was like because you're getting these benefits for having a guild and land it's entirely feasible that you could have to pay some sort of taxes or some something uh, or maybe it's like you need to stake. I, I think, Raph, you might have had this idea that maybe you've got to have so much extual staked to be an active guild, and then you just don't get... Obviously, you get the benefit of extual, but maybe the team then gets to have some benefit where that extual gets to, you know, maybe it gets paired in a garden for the quest fund. I have no idea, you know, or something like that, where they get to t- have some income off of your stake. Um, but there's so many things they could do to help, I think help replenish those extra payouts that they have to do to give us these bonuses. So yeah, I don't know what do you guys think. The thing that works with this though, is this, it's a one-time thing. So it's not like it's a repeatable quest. So Ah, if if they've kind of like, all right, we've got X amount allotted in the quest fund that we can do a drawdown for these one-time quest events. They could do something like that. Oh, like you earmark so many jewel for this. Hmm. Interesting. I like and, that. Yeah, that, that would work. You know, the rewards could be item-based, and you could kind of keep pe- pushing people in-game as well uh, with some of the rewards. And uh, while I think people want to eventually get there, you know, I, and I think you're, you're, you're touching on something that is critical. And that, uh, let me digress for a moment and then go back to my original idea. That is that, um, you know, this is a pay-to-earn game. And so people it will pay to play pay to anything style game and i think that just the fact of the matter that we all have to come to grips with at nine dwarf i know you talked about that this is something that you and your coworker talk about is that there are going to be people who invest and win in the game and by that i mean they invest and they're able to pull out money more than what they invest in the game and of course there are going to be people who invest in the game and conventionally lose where they are actually losing money of what they put into the game they are not able to get out as much money from the game and that's just the way that economics work and so i think that the key concept that has to be here for all of this to work otherwise this entire game goes away is that people have to be having fun because you have to be convincing that the people that are investing and then not getting that full investment back in money that they are at least really enjoying the time that they're spending in game or believe that they're going to get their investment out in the future. Um, and I, I think ultimately like that, that has to be a key piece to all of this is that people have to really enjoy what they're doing. And I think for them to enjoy what they're doing, you know, we have the community aspects of the game right now. I think they've done a good job of that. And well, we've done a good job of that when it comes to, you know, discord, YouTube, all the groups of people gathering together. Uh, but the game 
is while it's fun to like try to get a, a summons or try, try to get a pet, um, there's no skill-based aspect to the game right now. And so I think this is where it has to come into some kind of PvP. Or I think they could do this with like PvE in the large guild setting, which I guess kind of would be like guilds versus guilds, which is kind of PvP. Um, and so I think as long as people are having fun and actually doing things and interacting with other groups, um, then I think it'll keep the, the ecosystem alive. So end of my, my digression there. Um, what I want to propose to you guys next is a style of, of I'll call it PvP slash PvE. Um, so this would be Guild Quest Wars. I, the name is uh, a work in progress, so stay with me. Um, and here's how it works. Is that guilds, um, they enter into a, a month-long arrangement, a season, if you'll call it, a season pass, if you call it, where the guild has to stake some number of X jewel into their, their guild bank. And so what, what does the game gain? Well, the game gains some uh, tokenomic stability here. Um, and during that month, or maybe you could split it up to a week inside each month, but you select one of the profession quests. And it probably wouldn't, couldn't be gardening um, for the, the points that you were raising there, Guy Kid, um, of it drawing down from the quest fund. Uh, but it could probably be gold mining, it could be fishing, and it could be foraging. Um, everything in that quest is boosted over that period of time. And so the rewards are, you know, 1.5x or 2x what you otherwise would get. Now, here's the catch. Those rewards are locked. And they're locked for that entire season. And so those rewards that are, are coming in, and, and maybe you could do this in week-long chunks, uh, because I was already scaring... Uh, Tony with how long I was planning on having land unlock be. Um, but if you had these reward locks in week-long chunks, other guilds could engage in guild combat within those weeks. And let's say you, you also cap it for, for the sake of reasonability, where you can only attack another guild uh, X number of times, and that a single guild can only be attacked X number of times. So you can't like totally wipe out someone's treasury. And so you would perform what I'm considering to be like challenge raids. And during that period of time, you can select uh, the heroes that you want to send out to go fight another guild. And there's different kinds of challenge raids that would be based on stats. So I'm going like, I'm diving deep here. Um, so there's a battering ram challenge raid and it's a brute force challenge that requires endurance and vitality. A successful raid steals up to 10% of that guild's rewards over that period of time. And so if that guild is earning two X, let's say they select fishing for a week and I, our, our guild performs a successful raid, um, at the end of that week, when their fishing rewards are about to be paid out, instead of paying out, at 2x what those fishing rewards are they get paid out at you know 90 percent of that 2x and so that the other rewards then go to the, the directly to the guild that was uh the raider and so kind of the payouts here guy kid uh to tidy to your original question is more so based in in-game items than it is in you know actual jewel here so um, I'll, I'll throw a few other ideas out of challenge raids, uh, but I want to give you guys a chance to to rebuttal or ask any clarifying questions first. So, um, 
you know, Nindorf poke some holes in this. You go first. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, I think it's great. I think that, you know, it, it kind of brings you to a point where, since you're getting, and maybe this speaks back to uh, Guy Kid's answer or question, where how do you kind of temper some of these extra rewards? And I think they, it's maybe that the fact that they can be stolen from you, and you can actually get extra rewards by stealing more from other people. It's, you know, it's. It's what can keep people coming back to the game. I think that's where I, I keep going back to. And you're quite, you're, we were chatting a little bit earlier about, you know, maybe it's just the people who are going to quote-unquote lose, they're not really losing because they're being entertained. And so, you know, kind of a segue question, not to get in, not to interrupt a little bit, but how much is a person willing to be entertained across mm -hmm. a month? You know, I mean, if a person's willing to spend 30 bucks a month to come to this game once or twice a day and be entertained, Absolutely. That can keep this economy going indefinitely. Right, right. All right. I think uh, biggest, yeah, go ahead. I think the biggest thing you're going to have to, to watch for is just balance. Uh, you know, like I, I know for, for at least PvP on the World of Warcraft side, there was just a constant heavy hand of like when something became the meta, it was like everybody did that. And, and if you weren't following that, you know, you were, you were going to lose every time. So there's just going to have to be balance on how these these raids go and and otherwise it's just it's just going to be no fun for the people that that can't keep up and that's kind of hard to do with a, a decentralized blockchain game uh but i these these you know they've shown that they they can balance things as they need to be balanced but i i think some of the the rewards maybe can be paid out kind of like how they're going to do with lock jewel you can use that um, rather than just dumping tokens, you can use that for summoning. You can use it for duels. Hmm. You can use it to, to just keep everything in the game. Because for me personally, I don't really care if my jewels unlocked if I can use it for summoning because I'm summoning all the time. So I'll just keep it locked and, and use it for summoning. And that way, it keeps the tokenomics, you know, st stable. Because yeah. they got to balance too. The same thing. This is also a game, but it's also it's also a financial project too. too. So it's you know you're gonna have to balance both worlds. Yeah, I like that. And I, I think that's I think that's key to their their future success is to kind of keep these layers in the game that, you know, um, and I don't want to say like unwittingly trick people into, you know, continuing to summon. But I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, you're doing that because you find that to be fun and enjoyable. And so, yeah, you're instead of, you know, dumping that jewel and just cashing out i mean you you're wanting to play the game and i i hope that that's what they end up doing is you know trying to create um and and allow that i i think as well and so whether you're getting items or token payouts that are like in-game items that you could use you could also sell them or it could just allow you to only use those rewards for in-game actions i think that's uh i think that's a really good idea so let me clarify a, a couple other items here, and then I'll, I'll get your guys' feedback again. So, um, and there's a, a question, a good question here from Worm, um, asking Sir Worm, I believe, saying, "Is there a downside if you if you raid and lose?" And I think what I would say to Sir Worm is, I would say, generally, in my first iteration of this, I've thought like no beyond beyond there being an opportunity cost. And that if your guild is limited to five raids during this period of time, um, it, you're potentially losing out and other people could be raiding you at the same time. Um, and so, you know, th your your possible loss there is, is opportunity cost. So 
here's where I think, you know, like blockchain combat could be really powerful is if someone else is is raiding you, I'd love for there to be a feature that gives you a chance for um, your your town or your guild to to scramble to the defenses. And I think this is where it would, the game would benefit from being a 24 hour game is, you know, like maybe your your guild has six hours to respond and, you know, they can, um, you know, try to prepare the defenses for for the opposing raid. And I think this would be increasingly fun if there was multiple kinds of challenge raids. So I gave you guys the idea of a battering ram raid. Well, what if there was a sneak into the treasury raid? And this was based on, you know, heroes coming in with high dexterity and luck, they're more likely to succeed. And what if there was like a strategic battle raid where a well-planned battle uh, is based on wisdom and strength? And then there's also a raid for like uh, supply chain restriction. And that thwarts the opponent's ability to, you know, traverse the supply chains of their land. And that tests intelligence and agility. Um and so there's these four different, you know, you're essentially tapping into each of the different stat points. And then when you go to defend, it'd be great if there was like limited knowledge to what the opponent is attacking with. And that limited knowledge could be unlocked or revealed more clearly if you perform more in-game activities. And so, you know, maybe at a town of, of level zero, you have no idea how the opponent's going to hit you and you try to muster the best defense that you can, but you might be getting challenged against uh, endurance and vitality and the heroes that you put up, you know, they're, they're more generalists and, you know, you end up losing that, that challenge and and they have a successful raid. And as the defender, you lose 10% of your, your possible income. Uh, But then go ahead. I like where you're going with it too. And I think the timer could really be tied to travel time. Oh, okay. And the larger the the army, the larger, the longer the travel time too. So Mm -hmm. you can see an attacks being launched on you. That's six hours out, nine hours out, 12 hours out. And then it would be interesting of, you can basically do all these defensive quests, if you will. Yeah of you could send a scout out or something like that figure out what these numbers look like to kind of prepare the defenses like what you're talking about yeah sir we're read my mind um you could build a lookout tower to gain extra knowledge that's exactly what i was thinking is like you have a you construct a building on your land and that building allows you to have uh you know a 50 percent chance of seeing what kind of attack it is and then you could muster up a better defense um and of course, then I think this is where the game could really start to like stack all these concepts is like land development is almost like a intro to building quests. And then you could have building quests on your land where it requires you to use materials that eventually you get from quests and it requires you to spend jewel. And so you could ask your guild to, you know, ante up for that. And so let's say, you know, the sentry tower requires you know, 5,000 jewel across the entire guild. Um, It requires, you know, 2,000 stone and 400 lumber. And then there is another quest period where you are actually having to build the sentry tower. And so you have to stake, you know, I don't know, we'll call it a slightly lesser number than clear the land, but you have to stake 20 heroes to that week-long quest. And based on their, you know, stats and strength and endurance is how fast they'll build that tower. 
and then you know the the guild gains from you know having a, a better tower of where you know you can you can defend against attacks um and then the individuals the players gain by hey it's another awesome quest where i gain double experience by sending my hero out there it's also a way to you know it's not as effective uh to bot if you know you have a week long quest like that doesn't make me want to go buy a bot because you know, it's it's really easy to click a hero once and send them out for a week long quest. So that's some of my yeah, ideas yeah. of where I was going. I, I realize I'm really all over the place here, <laughs> but I, I like what you're doing too because it's allowing you to do that strategy of like maximizing the resources you have to to counterpoint or you know um, counterattack whatever the the opponents are doing. Like maybe you could also do like a meet me in the field. And also like a champion versus champion battle too. Oh of like, yeah, that'd be great. Like let's start a Troy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and keep in mind that I'm almost guaranteeing you. This is me wildly speculating, of course, that the spaces on this land is going to be limited. You're not going to be able to build every building, right? I just, I just foresee that being the case. Or it'll be like Sim City, where a, a building has so much coverage, right, and you can't right. cover everything. So you're going to have to choose wisely, you know, in a mistake early on and choosing the wrong building type could be costly. Maybe it takes three times as long or I don't know, half, half as long, whatever, to demo a building and you lose all those resources if you need to change gears. Yeah, I I think you're right. Um, and or like double down and invest more resources. And I think then, you know, that creates an opportunity to you know, add more jewel to the quest fund. Um, so, you know, you could change the dynamics of if it costs you, you know, 5,000 jewel to, to build a upgraded walls around your keep or enhanced gardens or, you know, a, a, you know, a fishery with boats, you could, um, you know, that jewel, you could, you could, the game, developer so DeFi kingdom studios could pick amounts um to burn you know certain amounts of jewel to burn certain amounts of jewel to go back into the quest fund and i'm saying jewel but this will probably be clay or crystal um so you could kind of play with some of those totals of those in-game buildings um to try to you know keep the economy in in full circle all right are you guys there of course. Okay. I was just thinking. I just been, the mind is a lot of information. <laughs> I have been. That's uh, you know. I think I, you know. I'll admit um, selfishly here. You know, after we bought the land, that's when my mind started spinning. I was like, okay, I want this land to start. You know, making sense and doing something. Um, but you know, I try to think about it from from really a, a guild perspective as well. And I think we have to keep coming back to. You know, how do you build a balanced game that is is fun to play for the players and um, that investment makes sense for the whales um, or, you know, the Tonys out there who invested in, in land and they're ready for their ROI. Yeah, and you need to, sorry, you need to get a place that the heroes are usable and if they really want to be, like you said, anti-bot and not like actively anti-bot, but just in style, I suppose. These sorts of quests that we're talking about are, are absolutely perfect for that. Um, and it'll help, you know, 
and then there's all the whole other aspect for another episode of dark summoning that we'll have to get into but uh but for now we'll just leave it at that yeah all right well um let's let's close up the episode here we're we're kind of we're at an hour and 20 minutes which i knew this one would be long but maybe not this <laughs> long um let's give youtube a chance to to send in a few questions here and the first question i'll throw this over to you kills um and someone's asking uh jordy's asking do you foresee gen zeros being more valuable than jewel in the long outlook what are your thoughts on that oh man that i guess that depends on what you consider um an, an value return you know i mean if, if you're just looking for price i mean obviously you know you, you may be able to do better and, and just jewel or whatever but if you're going to be active in the game if you're going to have gen zeros if you're going to be summoning if you're going to be leveling them up if you're going to be doing all that then you probably can get a slow and steady uh return in the game and then you can also you also have heroes on top of that too you can build an army on top of that so it just depends on how when, when people ask that question it just depends on how you're building the game how you're playing the game are you are you playing this to to build an army are you playing this to just you know farm in the gardens and make money it's just all how you're going to do it yeah, I, I, I like that. And, you know, just a, a quick reminder to everyone out there, this is reckless speculation, not financial advice. So, Very reckless. Um, yes. Um, yeah, I, I think everyone has to decide how, how they want to be playing the game. Um, and so let's go to, I mean, uh, throw it out there to our, our YouTube um, listeners. Any other questions? I'm going to scroll up to the chat. Um, so go ahead and, and throw some more questions out there. Let's close out with maybe a couple more um, I don't see any within uh, quick succession here. So, um, Nindor for Guy Kid, do you have any questions or that some burning questions that you've been thinking about? Nothing particular on my side. I do want to just give a quick plug. We're doing a, a Fight Club tournament this upcoming weekend. Nice. So, if anyone's itching for some PvP, itching for uh, some combat, uh, our, our good friend Tylus, a.k.a. Brad Pitt, uh, has been building this awesome PvP Discord-based game, and uh, we're going to do a tournament this weekend. And the every 24 hours that goes by, the reward pool keeps getting better and better. Uh, Mosh, one of the big uh, Twitter, Twitter guys following the DFK space, actually threw a legendary pet into the prize pool as well today. Yeah, that got me excited. I was like, all right, maybe I actually need to play. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sad I'm gonna be on vacation out that you know that next week there. I was like, the first one was fun. I I noobed out right away, but it was still a ton of fun to watch. And even even after I was out, some of the following battles like it's pretty intense watching people play. Uh, and I think we should you know if you guys are down for it or whatnot, and if or there's availability, getting like people in voice chat while they play is so much fun. Hearing the kind of the poker game being played yeah that's like a lot of fun that brings another element to it oh it's, it's amazing all right sir worm has some questions here any summoning tonight and then quickly followed by when crypto grady fight club stream um yes i i was committing to a fight club stream with crypto grady um uh, last night and i uh I could not handle the heat of the Crypto Grady with the frequency of streams that he does. So we were up on Saturday night. We stayed up to like 1.30 a.m. my time 
uh, we just kept talking on on the video that he released and then uh, my my gen ones my youngest gen one turned around and decided that getting up at 5 30 was her plan for the day um, so I was running on not I didn't have a lot of gas last night so I have to reschedule him I'm hoping to get that in before the weekend um, you know so we can continue to promote fight club um, summoning tonight I do not have any summons tonight um, I don't know about you guys um, we we really need to just figure out like a schedule um, this was not my idea I think uh, I can't remember whose idea this was but great idea um, but we need to just like pick out like Wednesday nights or something like that it's like if we do a pod it's always after Wednesday nights or even without a pod Wednesday nights everyone jumps on the stream and, and does uh, does summoning night I don't know what do you guys think about that yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. Schedule. go ahead sorry no, I think it sounds great just that so that way guys can, you know, have like their, their pairs ready if we yeah, if we know like it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be every Wednesday, let's you know, everything's have your eggs ready, all that. It just makes it simple rather than just being like, Oh, I just summoned you know, yesterday, I can't do it. Right, right. Okay, um Sergeant Filthy McNasty, maybe this will be last question here. Um I was listening to some chat in about in-game items that made me question the rational of hoarding inflationary items. Thoughts? So, I think it depends. Yeah. I think it depends. You know, because, I mean, technically, Jewel was, it was inflationary. You know, I mean, we like to hoard that. So I guess it just depends on how inflationary and what it's used for. If it's, you know, like so a lot of these items that are inflationary, they have good uses. So... Yeah, I mean, you you just look at the Stampot craze, and it's like, when the utility of these other potions and the other items come, you gotta assume that the change in price will happen as well. Um, I do think we're we're kind of at a weird point of, I, I'd be curious if their original roadmap, if they were expecting level zero quests to be the quests for as long as they have been. And due to that, I wonder if we have an oversupply of our, our current items. And But it'll be interesting to see come kind of next tier of profession quests if there's new, different items or not and what that looks like. I agree. And I, I think, you know, they could always pull future in-game levers to make things more deflationary. You know, like maybe equipment starts to, um, you know, use some of the the fishing or mining quest rewards or the the foraging quest rewards faster than um than they're being supplied and so you know i i could even see us getting to a point where um you even have to make the 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 decision between like do i want to go after a profession level 10 quest which nets my hero more experience or do i want to go after the profession level one quest where i get more items because that might have more financial value um i i think that would be a neat way to add more player choice into the game and they've even said themselves like feeding pets so we have right. no you know we, we just sit there with pets now but can you imagine like when they start eating bloaters and you know like you're gonna have thousand bloaters and you know actually have use for them nom nom yep yeah yeah that's like i told you i'm hoarding it all yeah and you got that back from tango uh when you were out at eth denver he said they were oh, really eating bloaters <laughs> yes i was like that was some that was some alpha drop way back when and we're still waiting it, it'll come true don't don't worry <laughs> eventually yeah all right well um 
thank you guys for 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 joining this a lot of fun i, I appreciate you guys staying long um and uh, all the viewers out there thank you for this drop us a like and subscribe if you will and let's keep the conversation going over on discord um you know i, I really feel like this is the, the community's you know thing to weigh in on so i'm planning on at some point here in the next week uh, posting some kind of rapid r and i'd actually like to accompany with that a whole bunch of ideas for like different building construction so you know we talked about there you know being the clearing the land quest about building a sentry tower um you know i i pitched a delay in general chat like i'd love to eventually have there be like a salon or a barber shop where you can work on the visuals of your hero and you can like you know modify the the genes of your visuals i think that'd be really neat um so i, I think the the you know possibilities for what kind of buildings you can build on land are are near limitless um and i'd like to flush out some of those ideas and eventually post this in a rapid r post uh, that we can give to the DeFi Kingdoms team and meant to be like a collection or a living document of here are the ideas, here's what we want to see for guilds. So um, thank you. Thank you guys for, for joining me tonight. Uh, thank you, YouTubers. And uh, this is Raph signing out.